Section One of The Seen and the Unseen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sonia. The Seen and the Unseen by Richard Marsh. One. A Psychological Experiment the conversation had been of murders and of suicides it had almost seemed as if each speaker had felt constrained to cap the preceding speaker's tale of horror as the talk went on mr howitt had drawn farther and farther into a corner of the room as if the subject were little to his liking now that all the speakers but one had quitted the smoking-room he came forward from his corner in the hope possibly that with this last remaining individual who like himself had been a silent listener he might find himself in more congenial society dreadful stuff those fellows have been talking mr howitt was thin and he was tall he seemed shorter than he really was owing to what might be described as a persistent cringe rather than a stoop he had a deferential almost frightened air his pallid face was lighted by a smile which one felt might in a moment change into a stare of terror he rubbed his hands together softly as if suffering from a chronic attack of nerves he kept giving furtive glances round the room in reply to mr howitt's observation the stranger nodded his head there was something in the gesture and indeed in the man's whole appearance which caused mr howitt to regard him more attentively the stranger's size was monstrous by him on the table was a curious-looking box about eighteen inches square painted in hideously alternating stripes of blue and green and yellow and although it was spring and the smoking-room was warm he wore his overcoat and a soft felt hat so far as one could judge from his appearance seated he was at least six feet in height as to girth his dimensions were bewildering one could only guess wildly at his weight to add to the peculiarity of his appearance he wore a huge black beard which not only hung over his chest but grew so high up his cheeks as almost to conceal his eyes mr howitt took the chair which was in front of the stranger his eyes were never for a moment still resting as they passed upon the bearded giant in front of him then flashing quickly hither and thither about the room do you stay in jersey long No the reply was monosyllabic but though it was heard so briefly at the sound of the stranger's voice mr howitt half rose grasped the arm of his chair and gasped the stranger seemed surprised what's the matter mr howitt dropped back on to his seat he took out his handkerchief to wipe his forehead his smile which had changed into a stare of terror on its reappearance assumed a sickly hue nothing only a curious similarity similarity what do you mean whatever mr howitt might mean every time the stranger opened his mouth it seemed to give him another shock it was a moment or two before he regained sufficient control over himself to enable him to answer your voice reminds me of one which i used to hear it's a mere fugitive resemblance whose voice does mine remind you of a friend's what was his name his name was 
cookson mr howitt spoke with a perceptible stammer cookson i see there was silence for some cause mr howitt seemed on a sudden to have gone all limp he sat in a sort of heap on his chair he smoothed his hands together as if with unconscious volition his sickly smile had degenerated into a fatuous grin his shifty eyes kept recurring to the stranger's face in front of him it was the stranger who was the next to speak did you hear what those men were talking about yes they were talking of murders yes i heard rather a curious story of a murder as i came down to weymouth in the train it's a sort of talk i do not care for no perhaps not but this was rather a singular tale it was about a murder which took place the other day at exeter mr howitt started at exeter yes at exeter the stranger stood up as he did so one realized how grotesquely unwieldy was his bulk it seemed to be as much as he could do to move the three pockets in the front of his overcoat were protected by buttoned flaps he undid the buttons as he did so the flaps began to move something peeped out then hideous things began to creep from his pockets efts newts lizards various crawling creatures mr howitt's eyes ceased to stray they were fastened on the crawling creatures the hideous things wriggled and writhed in all directions over the stranger the huge man gave himself a shake they all fell from him to the floor they lay for a second as if stupefied by the fall then they began to move to all four quarters of the room mr howitt drew his legs under his chair pretty creatures aren't they said the stranger i like to carry them about with me wherever i go don't let them touch you some of them are nasty if they bite mr howitt tucked his long legs still further under his chair he regarded the creatures which were wriggling on the floor with a degree of aversion which was painful to witness the stranger went on about this murder at exeter which i was speaking of it was a case of two solicitors who occupied offices together on four street hill mr howitt glanced up at the stranger then back again at the writhing newts he rather gasped than spoke four street hill yes they were partners the name of one of them was rolled andrew rolled by the way i like to know with whom i am talking may i inquire what your name is this time mr howitt was staring at the stranger with wide open eyes momentarily forgetful even of the creatures which were actually crawling beneath his chair he stammered and he stuttered my name's howitt you'll see it in the hotel register howitt i see i'm glad i have met you mr howitt it seems that this man andrew rolled murdered his partner a man named douglas colston mr howitt was altogether oblivious of the things upon the floor he clutched at the arms of his chair his voice was shrill murdered how do they know he murdered him 
it seems they have some shrewd ideas upon the point from this the stranger took from an inner pocket of his overcoat what proved when he had unfolded it to be a double crown poster he held it up in front of mr howitt it was headed in large letters murder one hundred pounds reward you see they are offering one hundred pounds reward for the apprehension of this man andrew rolled that looks as if someone had suspicions here is his description tall thin stoops has sandy hair thin on top parted in the middle restless gray eyes wide mouth bad teeth thin lips white face speaks in a low soft voice has a nervous trick of rubbing his hands together the stranger ceased reading from the placard to look at mr howitt are you aware sir that this description is very much like you mr howitt's eyes were riveted on the placard they had followed the stranger as he read his manner was feverishly strained it's not nothing of the sort it's your imagination it's not in the least like me pardon me but the more i look at you the more clearly i perceive how strong is the resemblance it is you to the life as a detective he paused mr howitt held his breath i mean supposing i were a detective which i am not he paused again mr howitt gave a gasp of relief i should feel almost justified in arresting you and claiming the reward you are so made in the likeness of andrew rolled i'm not i deny it it's a lie mr howitt stood up his voice rose to a shriek a fit of trembling came over him it constrained him to sit down again the stranger seemed amused my dear sir i entreat you to be calm i was not suggesting for one moment that you had any actual connection with the miscreant rolled the resemblance must be accidental did you not tell me your name was howitt yes that's my name howitt william howitt any relation to the poet poet mr howitt seemed mystified then to make a dash at it yes my great-uncle i congratulate you mr howitt on your relationship i have always been a great admirer of your great-uncle's works perhaps i had better put this poster away it may be useful for future reference the stranger folding up the placard replaced it in his pocket with a quick movement of his fingers he did something which detached what had seemed to be the inner lining of his overcoat from the coat itself splitting the garment as it were and making it into two as he did so there fell from all sides of him another horde of crawling creatures they dropped like lumps of jelly on to the floor and remained for some seconds a wriggling mass then like their forerunners they began to make incursions towards all the points of the compass mr howitt already in a condition of considerable agitation stared at these ungainly forms in a state of mind which seemed to approach to stupefaction more of my pretty things you perceive i'm very fond of reptiles 
i always have been don't allow any of them to touch you they might do you an injury reptiles sometimes do he turned a little away from mr howitt i heard some particulars of this affair at exeter it seems that these two men rolled and colston were not only partners in the profession of the law they were also partners in the profession of swindling thorough-paced rogues both of them unfortunately there is not a doubt of it but it appears that the man rolled was not only false to the world at large he was false even to his partner don't you think mr howitt that it is odd that a man should be false to his partner the inquiry was unheeded mr howitt was gazing at the crawling creatures which seemed to be clustering about his chair ring the bell he gasped ring the bell have them taken away have what taken away my pretty playthings my dear sir to touch them would be dangerous if you are very careful not to move from your seat i think i may guarantee that you will be safe you did not notice my question don't you think it odd that a man should be false to his partner huh? oh yes very the stranger eyed the other intently there was something in mr howitt's demeanour which to say the least of it was singular i thought you would think it was odd it appears that one night the two men agreed that they would divide spoils they proceeded to do so then and there colston wholly unsuspicious of evil was seated at a table making up a partnership account rolled stealing up behind him stupefied him with chloroform it wasn't chloroform not chloroform may i ask how you know i-i guessed it for a stranger rather a curious subject on which to hazard a guess don't you think so however allowing your guess we will say it was not chloroform whatever it was it stupefied colston rolled when he perceived colston was senseless produced a knife like this the stranger flourished in the air a big steel blade which was shaped like a hunting knife as he did so throwing his overcoat from him on to the floor he turned right round towards mr howitt mr howitt stared at him voiceless it was not so much at the sufficiently ugly weapon he was holding in his hand at which he stared as at the man himself the stranger indeed presented an extraordinary spectacle the upper portion of his body was enveloped in some sort of oilskin such as sailors wear in dirty weather the oilskin was inflated to such an extent that the upper half of him resembled nothing so much as a huge ill-shaped bladder that it was inflated was evident with something too that was conspicuously alive the oilskin writhed and twisted surged and heaved in a fashion that was anything but pleasant to behold you look at me see here the stranger dashed the knife he held into his own breast or he seemed to he cut the oilskin open from top to bottom and there gushed forth not his heart's blood but an amazing mass of hissing 
struggling twisting serpents they fell all sorts and sizes in a confused furious frenzied heap upon the floor in a moment the room seemed to be alive with snakes they dashed hither and thither in and out round and round in search either of refuge or revenge and as the snakes came on the efts the newts the lizards and the other creeping things in their desire to escape them crawled up the curtains and the doors and the walls mr howitt gave utterance to a sort of strangled exclamation he retained sufficient presence of mind to spring upon the seat of his chair and to sit upon the back of it the stranger remained standing apparently wholly unmoved in the midst of the seeming pandemonium of creepy things do you not like snakes mr howitt i do they appeal to me strongly this is part of my collection i rather pride myself on the ingenuity of the contrivance which enables me to carry my pets about me wherever i may go at the same time you are wise in removing your feet from the floor not all of them are poisonous possibly the more poisonous ones may not be able to reach you where you are you see this knife the stranger extended it towards mr howitt this is the knife with which when he had stupefied him andrew rolled slash douglas colston about the head and face and throat like this the removal of his overcoat and still more the vomiting forth of the nest of serpents had decreased the stranger's bulk by more than one half disembarrassing himself of the remnants of his oilskins he removed his soft felt hat and tearing off his huge black beard stood revealed as a tall upstanding muscularly built man whose head and face and neck were almost entirely concealed by strips of plaster which crossed and recrossed each other in all possible and impossible directions there was silence the two men stared at each other with a gasp mr howitt found his voice douglas andrew i thought you were dead i am risen from the grave i am glad you are not dead why mr howitt paused as if to moisten his parched lips i never meant to kill you in that case andrew your meaning was unfortunate i do mean to kill you now don't kill me douglas a reason andrew if you knew what i have suffered since i thought i had killed you you would not wish to take upon yourself the burden which i have had to bear my nerves andrew are stronger than yours what would crush you to the ground would not weigh on me at all surely you knew that before mr howitt fidgeted on the back of his chair it was not that you did not mean to kill me you lacked the courage you gashed me like some frenzied cur then afraid of your own handiwork you ran to save your skin you dared not wait to see if what you had meant to do was done why andrew as soon as the effects of your drug had gone i sat up i heard you running down the stairs i saw your knife lying at my side all stained with my own blood see andrew the stains are on it still 
i even picked up this scrap of paper which had fallen from your pocket on to the floor he held out a piece of paper towards mr howitt it is the advertisement of an hotel hotel de la couronne d'or saint hélier's jersey i said to myself i wonder if that is where andrew is gone i will go and see and if i find him i will kill him i have found you and behold your heart has so melted within you that already you feel something of the pangs of death mr howitt did seem to be more dead than alive his face was bloodless he was shivering as if with cold these melodramatic and indeed slightly absurd details the stranger waved his hand towards the efts and newts and snakes and lizards were planned for your especial benefit i was aware what a horror you had of creeping things i take it it is constitutional i knew i had but to spring on you half a bushel or so of reptiles and all the little courage you ever had would vanish as it has done the stranger stopped he looked with evident enjoyment of his misery at the miserable creature squatted on the back of the chair in front of him mr howitt tried to speak two or three times he opened his mouth but there came forth no sound at last he said in curiously husky tones douglas andrew if you do it they are sure to have you it is not easy to get away from jersey how kind of you andrew and how thoughtful but you might have spared yourself your thought i have arranged all that there is a kettle-boat leaves for st malo in half an hour on the tide you will be dead in less than half an hour so i go in that again there were movements of mr howitt's lips but no words were audible the stranger continued the question which i have had to ask myself has been how shall i kill you i might kill you with the knife with which you endeavoured to kill me as he spoke he tested the keenness of the blade with his fingers with it i might slit your throat from ear to ear or i might use it in half a hundred different ways or i might shoot you like a dog producing a revolver he pointed it at mr howitt's head sit quite still andrew or i may be tempted to flatten your nose with a bullet you know i can shoot straight or i might avail myself of this still keeping the revolver pointed at mr howitt's head he took from his waistcoat pocket a small syringe this andrew is a hypodermic syringe i have but to take firm hold of you thrust a point into one of the blood vessels of your neck and inject the contents you will at once endure exquisite tortures which after two or three minutes which will seem to you like centuries will result in death but i have resolved to do myself and you this service with neither of the three again the stranger stopped this time mr howitt made no attempt to speak 
he was not a pleasant object to contemplate as the other had said to judge from his appearance he already seemed to be suffering some of the pangs of death all the manhood had gone from him only the shell of what was meant to be a man remained the exhibition of his pitiful cowardice afforded his whilom partner unqualified pleasure have you ever heard of an author named de quincey he wrote on murder considered as a fine art it is as a fine art i have had to consider it in that connection i have had to consider three things one that you must be killed two that you must be killed in such a manner that you shall suffer the greatest possible amount of pain three and not the least essential that you must be killed in such a manner that under no circumstances can i be found guilty of having caused your death i have given these three points my careful consideration and i think that i have been able to find something which will satisfy all the requirements that something is in this box the stranger went to the box which was on the table the square box which had as ornamentation the hideously alternating stripes of blue and green and yellow he rapped on it with his knuckles as he did so from within it there came a peculiar sound like a sullen murmur you hear it is death calling you from the box it awaits its prey it bids you come he struck the box a little bit harder there proceeded from it as if responsive to his touch what seemed to be a series of sharp and angry screeches again it loses patience it grows angry it bids you hasten <sighs> he brought his hand down heavily upon the top of the box immediately the room was filled with a discord of sounds cries yelpings screams snarls the tumult dying away in what seemed to be an intermittent sullen roaring the noise served to rouse the snakes and efts and lizards to renewed activity the room seemed again to be alive with them as he listened mr howitt became livid he was apparently becoming imbecile with terror his aforetime partner turning to him pointed to the box with outstretched hand what a row it makes what a rage it's in your death screams out to you with a ravening longing the most awful death that a man can die andrew to die and such a death as this again he struck the box again there came from it that dreadful discord stand up mr howitt looked at him as a drivelling idiot might look at a keeper whom he fears it seemed as if he made an effort to frame his lips for the utterance of speech but he had lost the control of his muscles with every fibre of his being he seemed to make a dumb appeal for mercy to the man in front of him that appeal was made in vain the command was repeated get off your chair 
and stand upon the floor like some trembling automaton mr howitt did as he was told he stood there like some lunatic deaf mute it seemed as if he could not move save at the bidding of his master that master was careful not to loosen by so much as a hair's breadth the hold he had of him i now proceed to put into execution the most exquisite part of my whole scheme were i to unfasten the box and let death loose upon you some time or other it might come out these things do come out at times and it might then appear that the deed had after all been mine i would avoid such risks so you shall be your own slayer andrew you shall yourself unloose the box and you shall yourself give death its freedom so that it may work on you its will the most awful death that a man can die come to me here and the man went to him moving with a curious stiff gait such as one might expect from an automaton the creatures writhing on the floor went unheeded even though he trod on them stand still in front of the box the man stood still kneel down the man did hesitate there did seem to come to him some consciousness that he should himself be the originator of his own volition there did come on to his distorted visage an agony of supplication which it was terrible to witness the only result was an emphasized renewal of the command kneel down upon the floor and the man knelt down his face was within a few inches of the painted box as he knelt the stranger struck the box once more with the knuckles of his hand and again there came from it that strange tumult of discordant sounds quick andrew quick quick press your finger on the spring unfasten the box the man did as he was bid and in an instant like a conjurer's trick the box fell all to pieces and there sprang from it right into mr howitt's face with a dreadful noise some dreadful thing which enfolded his head in its hideous embraces there was a silence then the stranger laughed he called softly andrew all was still andrew again there was none that answered the laughter was renewed <laughs> i do believe he's dead i had always supposed that the stories about being able to frighten a man to death were all apocryphal but that a man could be frightened to death by a thing like this a toy he touched the creature which concealed mr howitt's head and face as he said it was a toy a development of the old-fashioned jack-in-the-box a dreadful development and a dreadful toy made in the image of some creature of the squid class painted in livid hues provided with a dozen long quivering tentacles each actuated by a spring of its own 
it was these tentacles which had enfolded mr howitt's head in their embraces as the stranger put them from him mr howitt's head fell face foremost on to the table his partner lifting it up gazed down at him had the creature actually been what it was intended to represent it could not have worked more summary execution the look which was on the dead man's face as his partner turned it upwards was terrible to see end of section one